Nature has all kinds of weird developments where several species are in close competition. When resources are limited, it takes some standout skills to survive and grow. For a species of finch, the standout performance starts when they're hatched. But you would want your parents to notice you too if there was an imposter in your nest eating all of your food. But a bright smile can get you pretty far in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube or Spotify. And thank you to Johanna for the creation of this week's artwork. To check that out, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at LD Taxonomy or visit us at our home on the web at LDTaxonomy.com. And a very special thank you to our patrons. Thank you to uh, Tristan Taylor... Jesse Raspolich and Carol Raspolich. Thank you for helping us keep the lights on. Your support is greatly appreciated. And today we're talking about a Gouldian bird with a golden mouth. But more on that later. Yes, that's a Whoopi Goldian. <laughs> that should have been one of my nicknames. I've planked on the nicknames. Um, but uh, Bibby helped. Hooray! <laughs> um, but yes, we're, we're, we're talking about the... Goldian Finch. Yeah. Relative of Atticus Finch. But it is also called the Lady Goldian Finch. Uh, the Gold's Finch or the Rainbow Finch. Um, this is all this is all just what the general public tends to call it. But we're gonna call it here the baby birdie bright beak. And Rudolph. Because his bleak, his beak blinks like a blinking beacon. <laughs> oh, man, I practiced that. And I still couldn't say it right the first time. I don't know how. That's a, that's a tongue twister. His beak blinks like a blinking beacon. Right? Right. Do you, you care if I taxonomize this one? Just this one time. Sure. Okay. I promise I won't ask you yet. Um, the kingdom is one you know, love, and are in. The kingdom is Animalia. Phylum is Chordata class. It's a bird. Let me hear you say it. I know you know it. It's Aves, and you knew it. Uh, the order is Passeriformes, the largest order of birds, um, which is also like crows and parrots and things like that. Oh, wait. I know crows. Parrots I just made up. So maybe parrots are in there. But I know for sure that crows are passeriforms. Um, and so is the finch. Uh, the family is Estrildidae. The genus is Cloebia. And the species is Goldiae. Cloebia Goldiae. Because it's, it's not, too, not too hot, not too cold. It's just right. It's Goldie A. <laughs> uh, but since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for my favorite part of the show. C -c 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 Critter groups. 
the part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question, and the question is the same every time. What is the name of a group of this animal? Or what is the term of venery? Or what is the collective noun? It's all the same. If you saw a group of finches, what would you call it? And I love doing birds because birds, bird lovers have gone out of their way to have just an exhaustive uh, number of um, collective nouns for birds. <coughs> Goodness. So, Joe, if you saw a group of finches, would you call it A, a trembling of finches, B, a conflagrance of finches, C, a crash of finches, or D, a dripping of finches? I'm going to go with dripping, I guess. Final answer. And incorrect. It's trembling. Okay, not on my radar. A trembling of finches. <laughs> and Grammarly is telling me that conflagrance isn't a word, but okay. Um, whatever. Is it know. not? Um, conflagrant is a word, and conflagrate is uh, a word. It would be a word were it a term of venery. Yeah. Because you have All to right. turn it into a noun. I just, yeah, it's so weird when they put, like, the gerund in there. Like, it's a trembling. A <laughs> trembling of finches. Like, huh? They don't even, they're not even known for their trembling. I don't think. Um, do you want to hear about what this thing looks like? Sure. I thought you did. Uh, so these are small, very colorful birds. They have that standard finch shape, like a kind of parakeet-esque, but with a, with a sharp, uh, stout beak. Not the curved beak that parakeets have, but um, it's kind of like, oh, uh, the the bird in A Bug's Life. I think that was a finch. So just imagine the Bug's Life bird. I recently saw Turning Red. Um, and I the whole time I was watching it, I was like, man, I remember when I liked Pixar. <laughs> and I was thinking specifically of Bug's Life. So that's why it all... Oh, it's not good. All meshes together. Ah, uh, it's it's okay. It's nothing special. Like I'm never, I'm probably never gonna watch it again. Um, I'm. It's it's not bad, and I'm sure, you know, some people like it for good reasons. But yeah, it's uh, it's. I don't think it's worth watching. Um, just watch, I guess, Brave, if you, if you want, if you want a good, if you want a decent mother daughter story, and even that one's not that great. Um, anyway, finches, finches look like the bird from A Bug's Life. Um, so it has, uh, like I said, short, sharp beak, a rounded head, puffed chest. Um, in the wild, males have white and reddish beaks. Uh, they have black heads with bright blue edges around their heads, um, and... Uh, green, bright green backs and wings. 
purple chests and yellow bellies. So this is like a patchwork quilt of colors. A very um, colorful bird. Very, very colorful. Um, and then there are some variants that have bright red faces instead of black faces. The, although they do still, the, the ones with red faces still have uh, black necks. Females have similar coloration, um, but they're not as vibrant. They have duller tones um, because like most birds, it's all about uh, sexual selection on the male's side. So they need to be bright and colorful to attract the female. Um, juveniles start off as this kind of drab brownish green and they gradually develop their colors as they reach sexual, sexual maturity and get old enough. Um, in captivity, people have been able to breed certain colorations, um, specifically in the face and chest area. Um, but this is what this is one of those rare, true purple animals. Not like that little pump fake that the Malabar uh, giant squirrel gave us. Yeah, this is an this is a purple animal, and it's cool. Um. Before we get too far from its name, uh, okay. it's Gouldian and is named after, well, it was first described by Jonathan Gould, who's a bird painter, animal painter, and uh, you've probably seen, anyone who's like very interested in animals have probably seen some of his paintings. If you look them up, they're very recognizable. Um, but anyway... He he wanted to name. He said it was the the most beautiful bird he's ever seen. So he wanted to like honor his l late wife. So he named it Gould. <laughs> her name's Gould because I gave her my name. So I'm gonna name the I'm gonna honor her by giving it uh. her name, which was my name, which I gave to her. <laughs> How does that make any sense? That does not make sense. It should be called it's, the Elizabeth bird. Yeah. The, the Elizabethan finch. But so, yeah, I, he was really just trying to uh, like his his knee jerk reaction was to honor himself. But then when he realized that that was a kind of a jerk move, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. It's my wife. <laughs> her name. I mean, her name is Gould, too. Right. So, yeah, I'm sure but he I'm, probably like. He couldn't remember her maiden name, so it was just like, what's her name? <laughs> Gould, right? That's it. Yeah, whatever. Elizabethan Finch would have worked, I think. But then that would make you think about the like era that they were in at the time. So That's fine. <laughs> he named it after Elizabeth. It's better than Pink Floydy. True. Um... Well, I said this was a small bird. Finches tend to be small, but how small are they, Joe? An excellent question. I know. I thought of it myself. Welcome to the Beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. Okay. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying, singing, or tweeting the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com we don't have a new measure up intro this week but that means we get to hear from an animal and Carlos has to guess what it is if only you could tweet sound bites can you, you do that you can yeah 
Okay, tweet it to us. In a, I'm it. sure you could figure out a way. Uh, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Is that A, a Boston Terrier, B, a Barking Owl, C, a Gray Fox, or D, a Cockatoo? Huh. A Barking Owl. It's a type of owl. It really is. Also <laughs> called, I think, a Whistling Owl or something. Um, I think in Futurama they have Barking Snakes. It just reminds me of that. Um, I'm going to go with the cockatoo. Just It's thematically appropriate. Cockatoos make weird sounds. That sounded kind of like a weird dog. So <laughs> it's probably either Boston Terrier or cockatoo. And I feel like cockatoo is the right answer. That's what my heart of hearts is telling me. Barking owl or winking owl? That sounds like a pub. It does. The, the winking owl. Cockatoo, final answer. Yes. That is correct. Gosh. That's pretty good. Pretty good pretty good impression. Cockatoos are crazy. Did I, did I ever tell you? I don't know if I ever mentioned it on this show. Um, but I was with our friend, our mutual friend, Andrew, to buy his uh um to buy a bike. He wanted to buy a mountain bike. So I went with him to this uh little shop in Coral Springs. And um, the owner of the shop had a cockatoo in a cage behind the counter that was constantly like saying like, hello. And it like sounded really like it sounded like there was a, a woman behind the counter saying hello to everybody. It was <laughs> remarkable. Um, but <laughs> Andrew got sat on the uh, on the bike he wanted to ch- check out and he was testing the handlebars. And the owner got on the under the other side of the handlebars, so the bike was facing him. And the owner was like, he was like, "Yeah, test the ch- shocks." So he pushed down on the handlebars, and Andrew kind of went forward, and they bonked heads. <laughs> and the cockatoo started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, ha, 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 ha. and without missing a beat, the owner turns around and points at the bird and goes, "Shut up, bird." <laughs> <laughs> And he's like holding his head. He's like, shut up, bird. And it was just, it was a beautiful comedic moment um, that is forever enshrined in my consciousness. Um, so, Andrew, I know you listen to these. Uh, that's one of the funniest things that I've ever seen in real life. So, a and lot it involved, of people um, involved a cockatoo. A lot of people yell at birds. A lot of people I know yell at their birds. That's because they're loud. Um, and you, and they live for like a million years. <laughs> yeah. Birds are obnoxious to own. I'm going to, I mean, you may not agree and there's a lot of pet people out there, but birds are usually obnoxious and that's what you get for taking an animal with the power of flight and bringing it indoors. <laughs> <laughs> and like an animal that's not really known for listening to the average person like a dog is like, it's just there it takes a it takes a, a a very skilled person to train yeah uh, a bird to do things 
Their mannerisms um, are almost as alien to us as like a reptile or a fish. Yeah, they're really weird. Um, I mean, I like I like birds. I just wouldn't. I would never own one. Um, it's just too. It they, I, like they're not cuddly enough. Like if I'm gonna own an animal, I need to. I need to cuddle it. It needs to be furry and soft and needs to love me and i feel like birds just don't do any of those things <laughs> at least in, at least like any of like most farm animals and and dogs want to be there <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> a bird is looking for literally any excuse to yeah. leave uh and it will instantly but you have to you, you actually have to maim it to stop it from leaving <laughs> Yeah, if you to clip its wings, I don't, I'm not. I'm not like a psychologist, but if you have to maim something to keep it around, maybe don't keep it around. <laughs> yeah, m maybe it doesn't want to be there. It's like, oh, I have this dog, but you know, it can't have legs. It's gonna run away. <laughs> it's like, oh, maybe you shouldn't have dogs then. Maybe you're not a dog person. Anyway, um, I can see the appeal. Birds are really intelligent. They are interesting. A lot of them, some of them can talk and bark like dogs and laugh at you if you bang your head against a customer. Um, so if that's your cup of tea, I yeah. don't want to, I don't want to yoke your yak. I think I would not my cup of tea. I would only, uh, my only exception to that is probably animal husbandry of any kind. Like uh, pigeons that you raise, because at least all of those, like you're raising it to do the thing it's supposed to do. Like pigeons fly great distances. Is it really a pet at that point? I mean, you keep it. It's like a pet, like a farm animal is a pet. Um, yeah, not really a pet. Falconry, <laughs> it, like it, I, it gets to hunt. You know. I think like a whole. I think like the definition of a pet is it doesn't really do anything for you except companionship like a companion animal yeah oh i guess that's not true because like sheep dogs i'd call them pets and yet they do work on the on the ranch um but yeah i wouldn't say livestock are pets and if you if you keep pigeons for pigeon purposes <laughs> then uh i feel like that's for like livestock like chickens and stuff yeah animal husbandry yeah yeah Anyway, <laughs> what a common animal's husband. No. <laughs> oh, is that no, different? Don't. Oh, are we supposed to be doing measure up? Let's do that. Um, <laughs> let's talk length. They're between 125 to 140 millimeters. That's 5.5 inches. How many Gouldian finches go into the thickness of Saturn's rings? Another astronomical comparison. Yeah. So here's here's a hint. The rings in total are about 175,000 miles or 282,000 kilometers in diameter. And they're about 35,628 miles wide. But how thick are they? That is not as big as I thought that it would, they would be. Because Saturn's a lot bigger than Earth. And those rings go all the way around. Yeah. Well, I flew there in my ship in Destiny one time. That's about my only experience with Saturn. 
Um, I don't know. Let's say uh, just to give you a ballpark. So, like the thickness, not thickness, the um, the width of the of the uh, rings is like four and a half Earth diameters. The diameter of Earth is 7,917 miles. So puny. A little blue dot, pale blue dot. Um, all right, I'm going to say 1,000 miles. Yes. 1,000 miles. Now we're talking top to bottom thickness. Yeah. Still going with it. Uh, 11.5 million finches. Final to answer? The, th the thickness of Saturn's rings. Yep. The correct answer is 69,818. What? The, Those are some thin rings. Yeah, they are only a about a kilometer or 32,000 feet. Wow. If you made a model of Saturn that was scale, scale accurate, and the ring diameter was about a yardstick, three feet, then the, the width of the ring would have to be many, many, many times thinner than a razor. Yeah, you can't... Is that, uh... Just a standard piece of construction paper isn't going to work. No. It's too thick. Too thick indeed. What That's would you like need? more You'd like a need... thousand miles. What's thinner than a razor? That's crazy. Yeah, like a... Like... Like, um... S large print Bible paper? <laughs> oh, that gold gold. Yeah, leaf. yeah. Like where it's super thin. Probably thinner thin. than that. Yeah, goodness. The uh, I I always thought that it was just like once you got close, it was big, like asteroids. It is. Well, it's uh, it, they're a couple... like big asteroids. Like, but I guess like if it was a thousand miles, there some of them are relatively small, and a lot of it is like this just ice dust. Yeah, they're pretty though. Oh yeah, let's talk weight. The finch, the Gouldian of the of the Gouldian variety, the Gouldian girl, uh, is zero point four two ounces. All right. So how many Gouldian finches go into the lightest chair? <laughs> like that you can sit on? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Here's a hint: the hair. The I can draw a picture of a chair, and that's pretty light. No, a drawing of a chair. Here's a hint: the chair was designed by. Massimilano della Monica in Italy and went through several durability tests and passed, passed um, the, the chair is a real chair that an adult can sit in, not a dollhouse chair. Hmm. They got some really, really light and strong industrial materials these days. 
Um, let's say that chair is one pound. And would you say four ounces? 0 0.4 ounces. Oh, boy. Um, about a half ounce. Oh, that's, I guess that makes sense, yeah. About a half ounce. So then I guess my answer would be, I'll round it up to 35. 35 finches go into the weight. The world's lightest chair for adult humans. <laughs> Final answer. Yes. Correct answer is fifty one point eight. Oh, oh, that was a I was kinda close. The chair is zero point six one seven kilometers <laughs> kilograms. <laughs> uh it's made of whatever you'd need to make the model out of. <laughs> uh, the Saturn model. Uh that's one point three six pounds. Oh, I yeah, I assumed it would be just one pound. Pretty close. But that's a light chair. I could definitely pick that up. I, I, many times that'd be good to uh, like strap to your backpack when you're going around uh, Disney Disney World yeah they have um I've seen people with like these pogo stick looking things uh, that they strap to their backpacks and then when they they're stand in line you just put them on the ground and, and sit on them uh, and they're like I don't know they, they look pretty light and thin I thought about it just because uh, most of what you'll be doing if you go to Disney or Universal is standing in line. True. For the new Velociraptor roller coaster. Anyway. Yeah, like anything, like kind of like a cane with like almost like a bicycle sheet, seat shape. Yeah, it's it's got this T-shape seat at the top. So it, it still like doesn't take up a lot of room. Like if it was a whole bicycle seat, like a unicycle, then that would be a little bit cumbersome. Um, but it looked like it looked like it worked. Like literally anything better is better than almost anything's better than standing. But it's um, just a so one peg thing, one peg system. Yeah. Man, mm -hmm. though, if you're a 14 year old boy in a group of 14 year old <laughs> boys, oh man, there's no That's... way you're not kicking that out from under people. Yep, and uh, getting kicked out of the park. Yeah. But I'm just thinking like a bunch of 14-year-old boys getting those and using them, but then kicking them out from underneath each other. Yeah, I was. I thought you were picturing them going around kicking them out of... It takes a special like, kind of hoodlum to do that. And yeah, I'm sure you could. I'm sure there are people that would do that. But you would definitely do it to your friends. It would tempt I mean, the kind of sort. There's a lot of static friction from like your body resting on this thing, so... Um, and it's got like a rubber bottom, so it like grips pretty well. So you'd have to kick it pretty darn hard. You may not be successful depending on how heavy the person is. Where there's a will. But that's all I got for that. You got any fast facts? And that all wraps in because the first time I saw that was at the Pirates of the Caribbean ride featuring Will Turner. Actually, he's not in it, but. And um, peg legs. And peg and peg legs. Anyway, yes, I do have some fast facts. Um, the Gouldian, Gouldian finch lives in uh, a few scattered regions in northern Australia. We're back to Australia. Um, and it mainly eats seeds, like most finches. 
Um, they have to eat over a third of their body weight in seeds every day. And they mainly eat the seeds of grass, different kinds of grasses um, that they find on the ground. And uh, they are uh, near, th near threatened. So their population mm -hmm. is decreasing. Um, people are, they're, they're pretty birds, pretty birds. Um, so people are trapping them and, um, and so their, their populations are decreasing in the wild. Yeah. Australia, they're big time pet birds, but they're no longer allowed to be, uh, exported from Australia, but they had already been. So now there's like even wild populations around the world. Yeah, they seem like birds that could probably survive in lots of different places. I'm surprised we don't have them in Florida. We have everything in Florida. Because people don't like to take care of their pets. No. And that's all I got. Okie dokie. Let's get into the major fact, which I'm calling Golden Mouth. I guess, because I, I just came up with that now, because I forgot to name it. But that's That's my favorite James Bond villain. The yeah, it doesn't it yeah it sounds like a James Bond one yeah, uh the hatchlings of Gouldian finches have bright shiny markings on the sides of their mouth mouths, that make them look strangely alien. Like if you look up a picture of these hatchlings, you're like, where is their everything? And this is <laughs> what am I looking at? This looks like an uncooked chicken, with just shiny bobs on it. Yeah. Uh, so the open mouth of the finch hatchlings are bespeckled with white, black, blue, and yellow dots. The bright blue and yellow dots on the sides of their mouths uh, are particularly reflective. And f they're like phosphorescent beads. So I saw like th there are a couple uh, species that have this. And I saw like people describing it in articles like phosphorescent, glow in the dark. Like people always like in the animal world, in their articles, in the animal journalism will say anything that's, they'll say something that like anything that's bright and shiny, it glows or it glows in the dark or it's phosphorescent, but it's a description of color, not like something incredibly unique, which is something that actually glows in the dark in nature. Um, yeah. But I'm, so I'm not sure about, but they've been described as phosphorescent. So the very least they're shiny and reflective, which is interesting for a bird. Um, so why do they have these strange markings? We aren't totally sure. Um, but the, the prevailing theory is that they develop these markings to compete with brood parasites. So we've talked about this before. I think we did the cuckoo bird. Yeah. A brood parasite is a bird that lays its eggs in the nest of another bird so that their, their egg becomes a drain on another bird's resources rather than their own. They don't have to take care of their chick um, and they, somebody else gets to raise their chick. They get to further their lineage without doing any of the parental work. Um, many finches in the Estrildidae family have similar mouths uh, and similar mouth markings. 
So developing a unique pattern and reflective quality makes their imposters stand out. Or stand or blend in. The, mo- the mother just like, okay, I just see a bunch of glowing beaks and I'll feed those and I don't even see anything else. And the brood parasite's like, well, what about, what about me? And no, doesn't get fed. No. It, yeah. So it makes the imposter stand out because it's different than the rest. Yeah. Or yeah, that's sure. Uh, so it may be an, but it, it might, might be an arms race. Where the parasites are adapting to become more like the host species, but the host species is getting weirder and more intense with their colors. Just kind of like how we talked about, was it a, was it a mouse and a scorpion, or something like that, where the scorpion is, or a snake, something like is developing a deadlier and deadlier toxin, and the other thing is developing. Better and better defenses against it. Is it the mongoose and the cobra? No, it was like something smaller. Um, but s- many finches in... The, so there's another theory. Another theory is that the, the Gouldian finches started with these markings before brood parasitism. And the parasites had to adapt to look like them. But that still leaves the question of why they developed phosphorescent markings to begin with. So according to the second theory, the birds have developed these markings to tell the development and health of the chicks. So young chicks have pale markings that grow brighter with age, and then eventually, once they're like fledglings, ready to leave the nest, they they become much less noticeable. They fade. Um, so as you you can see that like bell curve of like color intensity, the parents can tell oh this is how they're developing. This is how they're developing compared to one another. Um, oh, if they're they're not getting brighter, then maybe they're unhealthy, something like that. So this is Timmy. His mouth flaps aren't as shiny as Sarah's. Yeah. So we need to feed Timmy more or, seeds. We need to throw up in his mouth more. Or less. A t- 2005 study found out what happens when the markings are painted over. The chicks that had their markings covered were fed less and grew smaller. But Oh, it, I guess because if they fade away, that means they're getting older and more mature. At a certain at a certain level. But if they don't develop at all, if they don't get brighter from hatchling stage to like their mid development stage, then they might be unhealthy. So the the parents were less likely to f- fed them less often. Um, but it, it, the study didn't find that it, it, it affected their survivability. They would grow smaller, but they would survive. But maybe if resources were scarce, the parents would prioritize the healthy looking ones first. So they're not going to waste resources on something that's not going to survive anyway. But when resources are good enough, they'll feed the feed the one that is unhealthy. But uh, there's another theory that's just in dark nests. Like if you want to like make your nest in a, a deep thicket and it's dark, um, 
these really shiny reflective mouth markings help parents find the uh the mouths the mouths that that was my uh, first instinct when i saw this i was like oh it's so that like you know it's star- if they like make their nest in a tree or something they can easily find the mouths but then it's like why doesn't every bird right. that makes an, a nest in that that sometimes experiences nighttime um to have this so yeah man this picture of these of these uh the the newly hatched chicks it's disturbing because they've got these crazy looking beaks and just these lights it's like kc lights coming out of their mouths Although yeah, they're not actually lights. I would love to know, like, is it really that, is it just really shiny or is it glow in the dark? Like some people say, um, I'm inclined to believe that it's just reflective. Like a, like a runner's vest. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I guess there are, a picture of it. I guess there are some birds that develop feathers that are shiny and reflective. Like even like. Blackbirds, you you'll if you get if they get close to you, you'll notice they have like blue and green shiny feathers. But these are these seem like exceptionally shiny, like yeah. exceptionally reflective, and it even lasts until they are juveniles. So you can see pictures of them with just these. They're they're a lot more reduced, but they still have these just shiny kind of crusties on the sides of their mouths. <laughs> it's like you got a little little bit of schmutz. Right there. You just want to wipe it off their face, but you can't because it's part of them. But yeah, the this the Wikipedia page calls them tubericles. Tu- tubercles. And uh, describe them as having an opalescent luster. Yeah. That is uh, flowery for a Wikipedia page. So it should be called the Elizabethan Finch. Yeah. Elizabeth Gould. She was also an artist and illustrator. Yeah, I was looking at the pictures that this guy made and if you've ever seen an ornithology book, this is this is the guy. This is this he's he is to bird drawings as um oh What's his name? <laughs> Are you talking <laughs> about the, the guy on all the t-shirts? Guy Guy Harvey. Yeah. Guy Harvey. There we go. Guy Harvey used to fish. If you've if you've lived in South Florida for more than ten seconds, you've seen somebody with a Guy Harvey shirt. They give you and, one uh, when you're born to grow. Yeah. Into. No, they give you one upon entry. Um, what like as soon as you pass, um, Stewart, and get into the the Palm Beach. Uh, Palm Beach County there they actually there's actually a toll and that you don't have to pay anything there they actually just hand you a Guy Harvey t-shirt and some flip-flops they they it seems like they have uh, very similar styles and some some of their um, drawings and paintings or lithographs um, were attributed to both of them they both took so they worked on the same illustrations 
Oh, John, John and Elizabeth, not not John Gould and Guy Harvey. Yeah, 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 yeah. John Gould and Guy Harvey. Yeah, across generations. John and Guy. All right, is, it, or, is that all you got? That's all I got. Same. So that was the Gouldian Finch and its shiny baby mouths. So if you're out there in podcastia, stay colorful, feed your young, and be sure to maintain the opalescent luster of your tubercles like the Goldian Finch here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Hey Taxonomy Titans, I just want to remind you that we now have a Patreon. Patrons can see full video episodes and get shoutouts on the show. But ultimately, it's a way for you to help us cover some costs and get even better. Still, reviews are the best way to help us grow. So if you haven't left one yet, we'd really love to hear from you. As always, thanks for listening and engaging. There are some people that say like, oh, maybe she did all of it. Oh, she's the she's. But that that happens whenever there are whenever there are is a couple in the 1800s or earlier and they both are in the same field of work. Everyone always says she did the work. I'm inclined to believe it because he named it the Goldian Finch. (laughs) 